All right, will you join me in prayer this morning? Lord Jesus, as we come today in our own ways, some anxious for a new school year, parents leaving kids for college for the first time, or maybe you're living in a time of celebration of your goodness. No matter where we enter today, will you meet us here with your spirit? Open our hearts and minds to your words and your ways, which are not of this world. Will you bring us to the place of unity and a willingness to bless others as we remember your promises, as we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray and the words will be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning to all those here in the auditorium, to those in the sanctuary and online at home. We are continuing in our August sermon series, three weeks of what can we do? Or better said, what can God do? And how is he inviting us into that to be a builder, to actively participate in his kingdom work? So if I can have that first slide, we are unpacking over these three weeks. First, Katie let us set us up really well last week with recharge, Sabbath, gratitude, community. How are we rooting in daily practices of being in God's word? Because we love others best when we love God the most. Today, as you heard from Steph, we're going to be unpacking bless. We'll have some action steps to go and bless others. And next week, Clay is going to come back and talk about train as we move through the series and can we commit individually and collectively to engage in being a builder in our church, our families, and our neighborhoods? So P.S. Next week, there's going to be commitment cards. So all of these things, you're going to have some things that you can commit to. And we're going to pass the plates for the first time since COVID. <laughs> hey, I, I had an amen from the 8 o'clock group. I didn't know if I'd get that at the 9.15. So, so thank you for that. Um, but why are we doing that? Well, it was really interesting as we got to thinking about that and talking about that as a staff, a lot of people give online, which is great. It drives efficiencies. We don't have to open envelopes, all those things. But many of our kids, our family, our friends don't know what we give. And as Clayton and I were talking, we remember our parents in the envelopes with the number on it and looking at it and go, wow, in a couple of weeks, I could get a Nintendo or a new pair of Air Jordans. I mean, I mean we'd never do that, but, but a kid could dream. So we really want to challenge you over this next week with your families, your friends, your roommates, whoever it is you do life together with, could you take some time and talk about where you give your talents, your time, and your treasures? Because we have to remember at the end of our time on earth, we will be asked, what did you do with what I gave you? What will your life, your calendar, and your checkbook say? So thanks for joining us this morning as we unpack that, as you heard uh, Steph, earlier, it's blessed, blessed Sunday. That is an awesome time of the year. More of that as we unpack. And what we're hoping as we go through this, as we unpack today, is today we're talking about encouraging one another. 
So perhaps if you heard Katie's message last week, maybe we can put out that fire with a flood of blessing in our community. So I can have the next slide. The sermon in a sentence this morning is this. Everyone can encourage someone every day. So no matter if you're two to 99, we can take a little time in our day to send an encouraging word to someone to bless them. And that's where we're going today. Now, before I read the scripture verse this morning, it's one verse. I want to remind us that we can't ever just cherry pick one verse. So I'm going to use a whole bunch of verses. As Tom Vanderwell and others have talked about, we need to look from Genesis to Revelation. So I'll be using several verses, but our key verse for this morning is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Hear these words. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. I love that. And as I'm studying, as I, as I prepare for messages, I like to look at other versions of the Bible, other paraphrases, and here's some words they use for that scripture passage. The voice says, so support one another. The message says, so speak encouraging words to one another, build up hope. The Amplified Bible says, therefore encourage and comfort one another. And the passion paraphrase says, encourage the hearts of your fellow believers and support one another. This is great. And if I can have that next slide, I think it's cool. Maybe it's just me, but this really ties in as we think about our sermon series, if you've been with us for several months. First, it builds on the intersection of our I Am series, where we're talking about getting vertical, getting grounded in God with us and God and who he is, the way, the truth, the life, the gate, our shepherd. But also it flows horizontally out of us to others as we've talked about flourishing in love. We can take our rootedness in Jesus and share it with those around us. A love, unconditional. How do we do that? We encourage, we bless one another. Encourage means to come alongside, to help. It's from the word parakaleho to call from alongside, to counsel from alongside. It's something close, not distant. It's the voice that says, I relate. I understand. I've been through that too. It's sitting beside someone. So I want you to take just a second in your mind. Can you think of someone in your last week, month, your life, who's encouraged you? And how did that make you feel? So I can't see the sanctuary and those of you online, but I'm getting a few smiles over here in the auditorium. And I, and I think that's true. When, when someone encourages you or blesses you at the right time, it feels good. When that person that comes when you're having a dark moment, a hard time, and sits with you, listens to you in that dark hour, it's God showing up. You see, as, as you, if you look at a lot of research today, all of us, all of us are struggling with something. Even if we have a Dutch front on and everything was fine as we shook hands this morning, something is going on, whether that's anxiety, grief, disappointment, insecurity, fear, betrayal, unmet needs, loneliness. We need to encourage one another. It's valuable. Scripture demands it. And it builds us up, as Proverbs says in three different verses, 12:25, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. 
1624, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. And in 2511, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. And we see this throughout characters, throughout scripture, including one whose name is Barnabas in the New Testament. And just a little bit about Barnabas. First of all, he sold a field to give the money to the apostles who could help Christians who were in need. Another thing is he encouraged Paul. And if we remember our story about Paul, Paul was Saul, a Jew who was persecuting Christians, killing Christians and people of the way. He had an encounter on Damascus Road and changed dramatically so much he changed his name to Paul and wrote most of the New Testament. As he was first going out and meeting with other Christians trying to tell his story, those Christians were like, whoa, I saw you. You killed those other guys a couple weeks ago. But Barnabas says, no, 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 wait, he's changed. He's changed. You got to listen to what he says. How many of us would like to have a Barnabas in our life? Especially as we go back to maybe a class reunion. <laughs> There's something different. Now I want to shift directions, right? We're, we're talking about being encouraged, but discouragement, I think, is easy for us. Look at social media. Look at the news. And I would guess most of us, if we're honest, it's easier to go down a discouraging path. We're taught at an early age. Think of Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore. Maybe a more modern Toy Story and Ham. Possibly Scooby-Doo and Shaggy. Always afraid of everything. Going to the negative when things come up. Maybe many of you have seen these. There's, there was a thing called successories. They were really big for a long period of time. Fancy pictures with a saying and all these together. Here's an example of one, collaborate. Meeting people halfway is the most significant trip we can take. We don't work for each other, we work with each other. So nice. There's things like that and about teamwork on corporate walls and meeting rooms all over the place. Well, about 15 or so years ago, I found a, a website called despair.com, which takes these and flips them on their edge. And let me give you just an example. That same way, word collaborate, here's their poster to hang on the wall. Collaborate. So the best of us have to carry the rest of us, <laughs> right? Or how about this one on social media? We bring the people of the world together so you can watch them tear each other apart. <laughs> I can't tell in the other rooms a lot of laughter here, and I, I probably tells you a lot about me that I'm laughing at those. But it's easy to pick on those things. There, there's truth in that, but it's negative. So not only Barnabas, I'm going to shift to another character, one we're supposed to be following. We're supposed to become disciples of Jesus. So what does Jesus' story tell us? And we've seen a lot of that if you've been with us for a while over the last couple of years in lives Jesus touched in a couple different sermon series. Let's start with just one story. The woman caught in adultery. Remember that story? All these people around ready to stone her to death for what she had done. Jesus breaks in. And said, okay, whoever is not full of sin, throw the first stone. And all you heard was stones falling one by one. And then Jesus says these words in John 8, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. You see, he encourages her. Now, I think this is critical. We understand this point in our horizontal and vertical relationships with others, agape love. We've talked about that a lot it's a love that's encouraging, that's compassionately and righteously seeking the well-being of others. That's encouraging. 
It reflects who God is in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the circle of love and our part in it. It has two parts though. I want to unpack those, compassion and righteousness. Tony Evans, one of my favorite authors, writers, preachers, in a book I read as I was preparing, said it this way, we are to have a heart to be an encourager, but with standards. Jesus does this so well here with the woman at the well, with his own disciples and many others. I don't condemn you. I love you. I have compassion. He had compassion. But stop sinning. I have standards. There is life or death in your decisions. And if you saw my sermon a few months ago in the sanctuary, we are going, I had two doors on stage. There's either life or death. We're going one or the other places. Eternal life with Jesus or eternal torment. Encouragement can help us move people toward life. We need more encouragement. I'm going to push here a little bit. Umbrellas of mercy are not my thing. Jesus doesn't push people out, doesn't push people out who have tattoos, go to the bars, caught in affairs or sexual sin. No, he meets them where they are at first. He encourages them, stands up for them. He loves them first. Why? Romans 2, 4. Kindness leads to repentance. That has been my verse for a year and a half. We need to embrace it. If we encourage, if we listen to other stories, we see and share our own brokenness. Newsflash, we're all broken in some way, shape, or form. Come work here for a week, you will see this is a hospital. There's triage that happens each and every day that we get invited into. We're all broken. And if we're willing to sit with others, with our brokenness, share our story, build relationships, they will start to share theirs. And we can encourage them to move to God's standards, but it's only through building those relationships that we can model that. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. There is a time, the Bible says, we are to rebuke things at times. But we have to start with encouragement. First Timothy 5, 1 through 2 says, encourage those who are older than you. Treat them as you would your father and mother. Encourage those that are younger than you. Treat them as you would your brother or sister. We need encouragement. We are commanded to encourage and to bless. We need to come alongside each other, walk with them, build relationships, encourage and model love. Now in my studies and all the different things I've read, I I think we can really look at three main components of encouragement and I wanna unpack those quickly. First, we need to encourage others to think right. It's about our minds and our understanding. Why do people get discouraged? They have the wrong information or believe something about themselves or their situation that just simply isn't true. We need to encourage folks to get the truth about a situation, share God's truth with them as we walk with them. I want to give you just an example to show how that could play out. Because I've heard this a lot from people. I'm worthless. God can't use me. Can you hear the words of God this morning? You, 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 and you were created on purpose for a purpose. Everyone here. And Jeremiah says, I have plans for you, for you, for you. 
And in the New Testament, he, he uses all of us that are going to have different gifts and different talents. We're all different. Some are eyes, some are ears, some are noses. I love the analogy to the human body, but we're all needed to function. We need to help people think right. Next, we need to encourage others to feel right. And this is a little tricky. Emotions are tricky. But people can get so anxious, distraught, depressed, or angry, they don't care about what God says. They become so worried, it's hard to hear the truth about a matter and what's really going on. Anxiety is rampant, just to use one as an example in our society. I've been reading a book, it's a secular book, about the six generations that are alive today and social, economic, religious, all the impacts that that will have. And one of the things that's unpacked, and I've seen that, and my daughter's allowed me to share some of her story with anxiety, but in the millennials and Gen Z, anxiety is rampant. As you talk to counselors in our own town, 50 to 60% of kids in our high schools are seeking counseling for those things, anxiety, depression. And I'm so glad we've broken down the barriers of getting help. But can I suggest that we also not only need to do that because emotions are not sinful. We need to process them. We need to work through them. But we also have to remember words of scripture. Are we praying those for our kids, our families, our neighborhoods? Just a few examples, like in Proverbs, fools vent their anger, but wise quietly hold it back. In Philippians, don't worry. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done, and you will experience God's peace. In Matthew, don't be afraid. In Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go in our ups and our downs, all the twists and turns of life, we will have struggles, but God is with you in them. Do you know those words this morning? And one of my favorites in Romans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why is this my favorite, one of my favorites? Because science has finally caught up with the Bible. As I was at Pelicorp and doing trainings for different salespeople and things over the years, we were talking about books from scientists and how they said, if you start to think different, have you heard Pastor Kevin, Pastor Clay? If we start to think different, we can change the synapses in our brains and how we think about a situation. We've been trained and culture has taken us one way, but if we start to think different, we can transform and renew our minds and our thinking. We need to continue to pray these words and others, scripture, over our family, our friends, our roommates, And third, we need to encourage others to do what is right. James says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. As we build relationships, meet people where they're at, we're to over time encourage them to obey what God says to do. Again, be careful. This is not a bullhorn. This is not arguing about theology online. This is about in the trenches relationship building. We need to be in community. We need to practice this through acts of giving, forgiving, acts of kindness, volunteering, or just a simple, encouraging, blessing word. We all need encouragement. I need your encouragement. You need my encouragement. And it's so easy. There's no boundaries on how we can encourage or who we should encourage. Your grumpy boss who micromanages, maybe encourage them. 
the lady at the coffee bar that's helping you out that you can see has had a bad day, maybe encourage them with a little extra tip, even if it wasn't the best service you got. See, encouragement is a habit. habit. In the second part of our verse this morning, it says, just as you are already doing. That's implying it's expected. We keep encouraging, keep motivating. If you're already encouraging others, awesome, keep doing it. If you're not, start. Hebrews 3.13, encourage each other daily so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Because the sin that we deal with is only one or two degrees off. It, all, it masks itself. It looks like it's kind of okay. But an encouraging, a blessing word can help us get back centered in that vertical relationship and where we're supposed to be. Now, I feel I need to say this. What encouragement is not. What encouragement is not. It is not false optimism. It's not flattery. It's not that we're trying to win approval through it. That's wrong. We're not artificially painting a rosy picture for people. Nor is it telling your neighbors everything's going to be fine when it's not. We will face hard times in this world. What encouragement is, is giving biblical hope. Biblical hope in all times. Times of good times, times of hard times. And communicating that vertical hope and the promises of Jesus. So how do we do that? That could be a sermon in and of itself, of all the things we could do to encourage and bless others. But here's just a few thoughts and ideas. Maybe send a text message or an email to someone. Just quickly, hey, I was praying for you today. Be blessed this week. It can be that simple. Maybe take a little time and remember how to write and write a note. How long has it been since somebody's done that? Listen to someone. Just take the time to listen without interrupting, without giving your opinion or ideas. Just listen to where they're at. Thank people wherever you go. I'm amazed. Just moving in yesterday, our son to, to Iowa, just as we, all three of us thank, you could just see people like, I don't normally get this. And it's so fun to see my kids as they do that and just thank you. That's it. Just a simple thank you wherever you go. Assume someone who is in, or, excuse me, assure someone who is insecure or disappointed. Maybe it's a teammate that's trying super hard but just not reaching their goal. Encourage them. If I could have the next slide. This is a quote I don't remember who it was from, but I did steal it. But I thought it was appropriate for this morning. If we look at coming to church as a requirement or a duty or something that has to be done, we are missing out on the joy of what we could be doing together encouraging and blessing each other. I love that. We are called to be in community. We are called to be together. Running a little short on time here. We have some other things we're unpacking this morning. So I'm going to skip this part. I have a, I'd love to you, for you. I had a song, Toby Mac, if you've ever heard song called Speak Life. I would, if you haven't, go YouTube it, Spotify it, whatever music source you listen to. I would encourage you to go listen to that. It's three minutes. If you have time and can get online, go to YouTube. It has the words so you can see the words that he's singing. It's amazing and just really speaks life and really lands on the theme of everyone can encourage someone every day. So here's some action steps. As we go into our weeks and the weeks to come, prayer. Will you start to develop a lifestyle of prayer with your family, your friends, 
Maybe say, yeah, Steph, Tiff, and her team are coming up with a whole bunch of different events, the, the lighthouse and prayer events. Could you take one hour, sign up one hour to go and pray for our church, our community? Blessing, we've been talking a little bit about that. I'm gonna still steal a little bit of thunder from my friend Eric Recker. He's amazing at this. And one of his challenges is to go and just bless a different person for seven days, one week. Most likely you'll get three, four people that send you a note of blessing back. And then we start to live out this scripture of bless one another. As Steph's gonna come up and unpack, go out. I know it's hot. Grab, some, grab a water bottle, get into some comfy clothes. Go pray in our schools. We're so blessed to be in a community that both schools will open them up so we can go pray for our students, our faculty, our coaches. Go around the hospital. Drive, whatever it is, whatever that looks like to you, join us in that today. And giving. Will you grow your generosity this year? Maybe it's of your time, volunteering, and your talents. Maybe it's actually giving, rethinking that. Could you share with your kids, your family, what you are giving in those areas to help them catch that generosity, the generosity of our church, our history? Learn about that. Read it in our annual report and other things. As a church, we have been incredibly generous. Thank you. We give 25 to 30% of what we bring in to other ministries. That's amazing. Other churches don't do that. Not to, it's not to brag. I don't mean that at all, but that's a, who we are. Thank you. Because everyone can encourage someone every day in many ways. And now I'm going to turn it over. We have two gals, as we're going to uh, do throughout this series, bring up some of our younger members, uh, some third wave students from high school. And I got to hear their story at the eight o'clock, their stories amazing. So I am going to turn it over to them in the sanctuary so we can hear their amazing story and how they're going to join in and be builders this coming year. Good morning, Third Church. I am so excited to share with you about what we can do to build one another up. My name is Livia Van Zanti. I'm a senior at Pella High School, and I'm going to be sharing this morning a bit about prayer. In the last year, there have been so many situations I found myself praying for. At school, I find myself lifting up my grades in prayer, stress over ACT and ACT prep, my increasingly busy schedule, which is mostly band and show choir. In my friendships, I find myself praying constantly for renewal of faith or for salvation among my friends. As I watch them struggle with mental health, I continue to ask God to enter into their lives and break them free from the chains of mental bondage and toxic friendships. Some of my experiences with prayer have been at church conferences, such as the Bold Conference this past June. While there, we were often prompted to pray for others in the audience who were struggling with pain, injuries, and often thoughts of suicide. My group and I, along with complete strangers, laid hands on people in prayer and we all repeatedly saw healings happen all throughout the room. God answers when we ask him. He is so good. Even here in our own church, I'm seeing, seeing healings happen. Every so often, I serve on the prayer team here at Third with my mom, and we were able to pray for people in our community and see God at work. Without fail, I have seen God give so much encouragement and peace as well as physical healing to members of our own congregation. In all my experiences with prayer, God never fails to bring me peace and purpose. 
I am recharged, my burdens are completely lifted, and I'm reminded that no matter what the situation is, it is in his hands. He is in complete control of every detail, and his divine plan is always better than my own. I've been asked to share with you how I will continue to incorporate prayer into my life this upcoming year. It's not anything special, but I hope it encourages you in your own prayer life. For starters, I pray just about anywhere. I pray while driving to and from school and practice, when I get ready in the morning, and when I re- after I read my Bible before bed. This way, I talk to God throughout the day, recentering and realigning my thoughts with His. During these times, I constantly ask for guidance with difficult decisions, peace and courage to be bold in my faith, and most often for salvation of my close friends. There are a couple of things I am planning to incorporate into my prayer life that are new this year. First thing is I will be praying more often with people. Yes, I've done that in the past several times, but this year I'm going to dedicate more of my time and effort to praying in person with people. The Bible mentions the power people have when they come together in prayer, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them, Matthew 18, 20. As I prepared a bit this week, I meditated on our key verse, which is 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. This verse reminds me to be bold, that even when someone doesn't know Jesus personally or have a strong faith, I can encourage them in any situation by showing my support and offering to pray for them or with them. Secondly, I'm excited to begin a habit of fasting. I'm not just doing it on a whim or to spice up my prayer life. I'm convinced that it will be a way I can express my desire for more of the spirit in my prayer life. While at the Bold Conference this past summer, there was a breakout session that I went to that discussed the topic of consecration. Fasting is a form of consecration, and it weakens our resistance to God's transcendent truth. It weakens our resistance to the Holy Spirit. The session speaker, Dawson Perkins, stressed the importance of fasting in our lives, saying that since we don't value things we don't pray a price for, fasting is a price I can pay that will enrich my prayer and my conversations with God. In my life, I value several things and spend my time and energy with what I value. I can't fill space that's already been filled. Fasting is a way, then, that I can make room for God. I plan to fast from either devices, food, or entertainment such as books and movies at least one day a week to devote more of my time and focus toward God in prayer. Prayer is so incredibly powerful. It has been instrumental in my life, allowing me to practice listening to the Holy Spirit and trust that I will receive an answer. Matthew 21, 12 says that whatever you ask for in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Prayer exercises my faith and recharges me daily. It allows me to build others up, whether they know I am praying for them or not, and I am blessed to bless them in whatever way God leads me. Hello everyone, I'm Evelyn Monk and I'm going to be a sophomore at Pella High School this year and I am so excited to be here on this beautiful Sunday morning. So I love this Sunday's theme of blessed to bless because it is so important to encourage and build up our school systems, teachers, and students. I want you to think about a time when someone shared a life-giving word with you. 
something that revived your spirit and encouraged you? How did you feel after? Joyful, happy, ready to take on the world. This is the kind of blessing that Jesus shares with us and wants us to share with others. Not just a thanks kind of comment, but an energizing, inspiring kind of comment. When I was younger and I was experiencing the love of God for the first time, Jesus inspired me to spread that overflowing love. I spent that sweet season sharing my testimony with the church, spending fruitful time in the word and starting an email devotional, which I'm still writing and hope to publish someday. I felt a new joy in encouraging others and spreading the love I had found, whether that was through my devotional, kind notes, or thoughtful responses to friends. However, it's not always as easy to spread blessing. Sometimes seasons and circumstances can make it really hard. But that makes me wonder, could we be a group of people that seek the truth and blessings we have in Jesus, no matter the circumstance or the season we're in, so that our natural response is to speak blessing. When we realize the blessing we possess in Jesus, his love, his joy, his peace, all we desire to do is spread that blessing to others. We need to first choose to root our hearts in the word so that our words reflect the life that Jesus brings. The fruit that comes from, and spe from spending intentional time with Jesus and soaking up everything he has to say about you will result in you sharing blessing with others. In this coming year, I want to focus on rooting myself in the word of God each and every day so that my response is to spread that blessing. Would you accept the challenge to fill your heart with blessing from Jesus so that you can speak blessing over the people in your life? I think we'd be so amazed at what God can do through our words to affect non-believers and other believers.